in a traffic jam Staring at the faces in a rearview mirror Looking at the promise of the promised land One kid dreams of fame and fortune One kid helps pay the rent Woke Destroyer. Only in America. Randy Tobler. Dreaming in red, white, and blue. On News Talk STL. <laughs> yes, and uh, here we are waiting for the big July jobs numbers. And it is a whopper 528,000. 528,000, basically double the expectations. And 528,000 is the best number since February when we were over 700,000. Uh, revisions to the last two months are 28,000. Now let's go through it, shall we? Uh, if we look at the unemployment rate, it's 3.5. It breaks a streak of four 3.6s in a row, at least until we see if the last month was revised or not. And if we look at average hourly earnings month over month, a nice little pop, up half of 1%. That is definitely juicy. We haven't been up half 1% since March, the high water mark, October of 21, when it was up six tenths, 5.2 year over year, also a nice pop. However, 5.6 of March is the high water mark. Well, there's Rick Santelli nailing it because we are in the money. The recession's over, and Joe Biden will have three terms. <laughs> Don't scare <laughs> me like that. <laughs> Not quite. I'm Randy Tobler. There is Max Foise, and we are the Randy Tobler Show here on News Talk STL. I thought I'd open with that because if you, uh, if you, and I do, if you watch uh, CNN, MSNBC, uh, the major broadcast networks, it's like, oh my God, uh, what is what is all this negative GOP talk? I mean, 528,000 jobs and the unemployment down to 3.5%, and the economists only expected 250. Thousand jobs. I mean, this economy is roaring. What are you guys griping about, you GOPers? Well, there's more to the story than that. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, as well as the question is the red wave, a related question, is the red wave turning to a ripple? And I'm talking about those midterms. China, Taiwan, with a lot of tensions escalating. We'll be talking with uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, Nick Kazianis, who will be joining us at 425. And uh, he, he's a global affairs expert. You see him on Tucker. I talked with him last week on uh, on the Tobler Show out of mid-Missouri. Uh, we're going to play that for you at 425, at uh, 625, because he has a lot of, uh, lot of insight into global affairs. We've talked with him in the past, and he's pretty prescient on these matters. And uh, he's sounding the alarm bells with uh, what's going on there with the, the China-Taiwan uh, issue. Um, uh, Virginia Cruda joins us at uh, 8.06. Uh, but a couple of really uh, uh, special guests this morning, uh, Jerome Corsi, Dr. Jerome Corsi. Remember how he got dragged through the mud because of his um, ties to Roger Stone? Um, and uh, he'll, he'll be with us at 7.45, 8.45. Dick Morris. Remember Dick Morris? Well, he's out uh, with a new book, and he's saying it has to be Trump in 2024. Not sure I agree with that, but we'll check in with Dick Morris, um, of course, of uh, the Clinton fame in the 90s, and then uh, to and fro uh, in the 
2000s, and uh, he's back with more. So it's a big uh, big show all morning. Lots of topics as well, all the way from the Mansion Cinema Tax Bill to uh, Not In My Backyard, the NIMBY DC New York City mayors. I mean, that's what I'm calling them now, NIMBY mayors in the big cities, which uh, there were sanctuary cities. We love those immigrants uh, when they're staying down there just on this side of the Mexico-Texas border, but not so much when they come to a town near us. Uh, And I also have some information on foods to extend your life. Yes, my wife has to occasionally slip in a holistic health news item, and she sent me something uh, this week that I thought was interesting. We'll share that with you. And then uh, we also have a woke segment, because after all, we are truth seekers and woke destroyers here on The Randy Tobler Show. That's what we do. That's what we do every Saturday morning. Uh, And we'll be asking the question, too, finally, Josh Hawley, the only no vote on the NATO expansion, including Finland and Sweden. Uh, Is it the right thing to do? Was it the right thing to do? Was it just another grandstanding um, PR grab from our senator here in Missouri? I don't know. I've had different opinions on that, but we'll get yours as well. 314-912-1019, the numbers, 314-912-1019, here on 1019-941 News Talk STL. And uh, before we get going, Max hasn't been with us for a couple of weeks down in Florida. Max, give us a little report. Welcome back. Great oh, thank you so you much. Back. Yeah, thanks. It's wonderful to be here. I, I love News Talk STL. And uh, yeah, I do too. I look forward to Saturday mornings. Oh, uh, me there's too. something about that cup of coffee and hanging out with you and all the great people listening. And um, a lot of people tell me they wake up their little alarm clock on Saturday morning. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, you know, as the audience knows who've been listening to the Tilba Show for a long time, you and I did this for many years uh, at a different (laughs) station, and it's wonderful to be uh, reunited. It kind of was uh, like riding a bike, getting back (laughs) into the groove and getting those guests on and getting the uh, uh, segments and sound, and it's just a joy for me every week, and so uh, it's wonderful to be back. Although, of course, I do love Florida. My Lord, that's my my home state. I know. So where were you in Florida? Where about? So we decided to go down to Clearwater Beach, and okay. I, I grew up on the opposite side of the uh, state, more of the eastern Atlantic side, so I had not explored the Gulf side too much, and it mm-hmm. is a beautiful little piece yeah. of Florida, white sandy beaches, yeah. incredibly warm water, which I wasn't used to. I mean, I was used to Daytona Beach, which is very cold and really fishy, and mm. uh, in wow. Clearwater Beach, it's very warm. It was like walking into a hot tub yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Really loved it. Highly recommended. That's great. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to be heading down just for, I'm only there for a couple of days. I have to shoot back for some important um, meetings that that we have at work, but uh, the family's going to be meeting at, uh, down in Destin. Well, sand Destin, actually. Sure. Talk about, talk about sand that's like sugar powdered sugar. That's the Destin sand. Is it the same in Clearwater Beach? Just beautiful sand. It is. And, and I, Again, growing up around, uh, you know, the Daytona area, yeah, I was much yeah. more used to a coarse sand, you know, much more sort of, uh, you know, darker mm-hmm. sand. Clearwater Beach, it is uh, white as snow and yeah, very yeah. fine. It was just, and yeah. the greatest part about the trip, though, uh, before I bored the audience too much, is uh, we took our 11-year-old son, Oscar, and it was his first time at the beach, his first time with his uh, toes in the sand and jumping into the ocean. And this kid was a water baby. He never wanted to leave the ocean. It was just, it warmed my 
my heart. It was oh, just wonderful. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Did you, did you do any uh, night uh, sand crab, the little fiddler crab? Uh, you know, uh, we you did. Know, yeah, we did yeah. see some some crabs there, That's fun. and yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple of small, a couple of smaller fish. But but I I, I thought it would be much more populated. But I, but but I guess uh, you know the animals are much more further out because I didn't see yeah, any yeah. rays or turtles, which I, I was used to seeing. So. Well, speaking of crabs, there's a little bit of a uh, political dissension going on in Florida with um, DeSantis saying, you're fired to uh, the prosecutor who won't prosecute the law against abortion, the law against uh, trans surgery. Uh, and he's been very vocal about it, uh, Andrew Warren. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm sure you weren't down there on a political fact-finding mission. But, if, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what you're connected to on talk radio. And that's, you know, so the ears and the antennas are always out. I know mine are. I was We were actually like down there. There was a a conservative pack that was going on that Matt Gates spoke at, and that uh. made that made some headlines when we got back into town. And I was thinking, so I'm reading this story because I'm of course I'm <laughs> looking for potential guests for different shows, yeah, yeah. and I'm reading the story going, oh wait a minute, we were there in Tampa when that <laughs> happened. <laughs> was that the uh, was that the uh, oh uh, Charlie uh, Kirk's group down there? Yes, uh, with yeah. The students, the campus, yes, the uh, students, students, yes, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and Gates, of course, made quite a quite a stir when he when he made the he made the thing about well, all the all the women that they're out there protesting, you know, I mean, it was pretty. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But I mean, bad. that's sort of par for the course for Matt Gates. That's it was it. just funny because we were a couple of minutes away from that event when that happened. So yeah. <laughs> What are the what are the general thoughts? Uh, what are the reactions to Governor DeSantis? You know, very high profile, um, you know, decisions. I mean, the Warren thing is one. You know, a lot of people are looking at him for being in the horse race come twenty twenty four. Are people in Florida, um, you know, enthusiastic? Are they talking about it? What are you, what are you hearing? Absolutely. I mean, Florida has always been a very red state. You know, it's not like Missouri, where when I moved here back in the late nineties, it was kind of a purple state. You know, there was a lot of blue, and then of course a lot of red and now i think missouri has gone much more red except for maybe st louis city but other than that it, we, you know but but florida has always been a very deep red state and so they love ron they they would they would band behind ron a hundred percent even those who may have benefited of course you weren't right in disney world no, uh, territory no. but i mean i think that whole disney thing and there's been a lot of discussion about should should the government get into the messaging coming from, you know, corporations. And he says, well, the government should because the government has given accommodations to Disney and there's an expectation they're going to be a family-friendly, apolitical place. And, you know, it's an interesting back and forth. Yeah, and, and you and I, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a, a month ago when the story broke, we did kind of talk about this because I am familiar living in Central Florida about how the Disney uh, Corporation treats its people down there and, and the, the populace. And so I, I think if you're not in Central Florida, Florida, maybe you don't understand the ins and outs too much. I do disagree with DeSantis when it comes to how he treated Disney. I think it was, I think Disney does far more good for that state than, uh, than ill. So I, I, but I think part of that was political theater. Hopefully he gives those tax breaks back because I think Disney having autonomy has actually been really good for central Florida. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting and we'll see where it goes. I think uh, it, it, I'm, you know, at a minimum, I'm hoping that, uh, Ron DeSantis gives Donald Trump and his people a a pause in terms of if if Trump does decide to run, to think about you know there's some serious competition and when you have competition, Donald Trump knows about competition. He's a businessman. Well, don't you think um, that Trump is a little frightened about this possibility? I mean, I he's the only sort of competition that Trump might have. <laughs> 
I don't think Trump is frightened of anything. I think, <laughs> I think Donald Trump has more um, political and other testosterone than most uh, any other human being on earth. I mean, the guy just... He just knows no boundaries and uh, knows no competition. So, I mean, it's just amazing. But he, but he does get uh, mean spirited sometimes against people, and I think it'll be a it'll be a real tactical battle to watch. Whether, in fact, if both of them do and you know throw their hat in the race, uh, whether or not he comes out with uh, both guns blazing, because if Trump does that, I think it could be it could backfire. We're going to ask dick morris about that uh because he's come out with his new book about this uh, basically saying it's got to be trump in 2024 what a way to end the show today yeah what a a guest in the show it's amazing and what a way for max to take a little pause from the tobler show i uh earlier this week i got the uh got the the email from max and i i I texted my wife i said i'm i'm I'm, there's the kleenex i'm doing the kleenex because max is going to be stepping aside for a while we've uh, had a great run here for the first year of uh, the tobler show uh here on news talk stl and max is going to take a little pause yeah my hope is to return uh in a larger capacity to news talk stl i've been talking to the powers that be behind the scenes and there's a lot that they would like me to do with the station and guess what there's a lot i'd like to do with the station as well so once all of the uh the machinations are complete and once all of the dials are twisted and the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed my hope is that i return to news talk stl uh in a bigger fashion and uh, and continue to work of course with dr tober so i think leah Olmsted is going to be uh joining the show she's been my fill-in and she will join the show next saturday so the audience is in good hands but uh please as simple minds said don't forget about me because my uh hope (laughs) is that the next couple months i will return And we're going to be working on that, and we uh, we appreciate and love Max. Because you know what? Max loves radio. Oh, yeah. I know that. I love radio. My wife says, you've been doing this for over 20, well, now 23 years in radio. 24, actually. Uh, started on um, the KMOX, I'll say it, way back yeah. in 1998. Yeah. I cut my teeth there, and then uh, another, the, the conservative talk station at that time that the current uh, the the leaders and managers of this station uh, started and now this is the welcome home conservative talk home for all of you of course 101 news talk but in all those years i've done uh, saturday radio uh, one time remember max up to five hours a day oh I would my, do. yeah because vital and, signs uh, and all we were doing yeah. vital signs and, and kelly webb show. was involved you know webb, she was yeah. great yeah <clears throat> and um, so, you know, it's uh, we've got a great team here. Max has been a part of it uh, throughout, and I'm looking forward to his return. In the meantime, Leah, who is an up-and-coming producer in this town, is going to join us as well. Mm-hmm. So lots coming up on the program. When we come back, we're going to play a uh, an interview I did with Harry Kazianis. I love his Twitter handle, at Grecian Formula. Uh, he's, you know, Kazianis, I guess, Greek guy. And uh, did some analysis on the China-Taiwan issue, because it is a big deal. We'll play that for you when we come back here. And then uh, when we around the corner, I think we will unpack that jobs report in the final segment of this hour. And then Dick Morris, Virginia Cruda, all of that coming up on the Tober Show, and Jerome Corsi as well. Stay right there, folks. Uh, you know, that job number is terrific. I, I was way off on that one, as many in the panel were. I'm on about at you until I get my Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer. 
on News Talk STL. Perry Casianos, president and CEO of Rogue States Project and author of The Tao of A2AD, Beijing's Asymmetric Strategy to Defeat the United States on the Battlefield. Uh, and ahead of your visit with Tucker Carlson tonight, Harry, thanks for spending a little time with me. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, you have helped me in the past try to sort out what is a very complex and, and um, very, very, I think, tense and threatening and menacing situation with our relation, increasingly tough relationship with China. Uh, okay, Pelosi called China's bluff. They were saber-rattling over the weekend. What's the next step now that she's landed? Uh, what's, what's up next from what you can tell from the intel that you can gather? Well, Randy, what's going on right now is the Chinese are on an aggressive campaign to basically show that they mean business. And it isn't that they're going to attack Taiwan or invade or, or attack U.S. bases or anything like that. But they want to show that their military power since the last Taiwan crisis in 95, 96 ha has dramatically increased. And right now what they're doing is they're setting up live fire exercises basically surrounding Taiwan. If you if you go on Twitter, you, there are different maps where you can actually see this. So what the, what the Chinese want to show the world is that, yes, if they want to attack Taiwan, they can. If they want to try and conquer Taiwan, they can. But right now, they want to show that they mean business and that if they wanted to tangle with the U.S. Navy or anybody else, they, they could do it. And it's reported that um, the U.S. is sending some ships to posture a little bit around Taiwan, around that island. Is this all just the normal posturing of superpowers, just, you know, flexing their muscle? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the United States right now is, has an aircraft carrier battle group basically east of the Philippines, not too far from Taiwan. We've got some uh, assault ships, which are essentially mini aircraft carriers that can have F-35s or stealth fighters not too far from Taiwan. So everybody has their forces deployed in case somebody does something stupid. But, you know, just a quick reading of history, we always know that these great power wars Many times they happen just like World War One, where we sleepwalk into a conflict, where mm. somebody makes a critical mistake and then the other side has to respond. So I don't think there's any chance that China is going to, like I said, attack somebody or do something like that or knock out Pelosi's plane when she leaves. But there's always that escalation that with China doing so many different missile drills, one of them accidentally lands in Taiwan with a bad guidance system or something. And that's what sets us on the path to war. That's what makes us dangerous, Randy. Talking with Harry Casianos, and uh, you authored, uh, you penned a great uh, opinion piece in the New York Post. Uh, I'm going to post that on our Facebook page um, after the program here yesterday. And you said you looked at um, some 30 different uh, simulations in a conflict between China and the U.S. Tell us where that ends up. You know, Rand, it's a big part of my, my life is, is sort of studying what would happen in the U.S.-China war. I've written books about it, written hundreds of articles. And the thing that terrifies me about this is that the American people and large sections of the U.S. military haven't woken up to the fact that while we are a superpower, China for the last 30-plus years has developed a military and spent billions of dollars for this exact scenario we are in right now when it comes to Taiwan or the South China Sea, or any of these areas around China. What the Chinese have done is essentially built thousands of ballistic cruise missiles, hypersonic missiles. So if the United States ever deployed its Navy or lots of assets around China to attack or deter China from doing something, they would be able to stop us. And the scary thing right now, Randy, is that the Chinese, in a, in a quick strike and a bolt from the blue, if they wanted to launch some sort of massive Pearl Harbor attack, they could easily destroy our satellites in the air and in space. Mm. They could destroy communications equipment, essentially blind us, make us unable to talk to our forces, and then dare us to come across the Pacific and respond. 
That's what yeah. makes this so dangerous. It's, it, it really yeah. is a very nightmare scenario. Yeah, so we're uh, we're on the, the the wrong end of the teeter totter at this point. How tactically tragic? How important was that Bagram Air Base, and that we don't have it so close to the Chinese border in Afghanistan? I mean, it was a big mistake. I mean, we paid for that base with with American lives, American treasure. It cost billions to build and then billions to maintain. So any sort of assets that we could have had around China would be helpful, especially trying to gather intelligence on the Chinese, being able to pierce satellites and other other communications equipment into China and coordinate that is, is, is crucial. But the other thing, just talking about Afghanistan, just very quickly, Randy, is that the Chinese have always wanted to go in Afghanistan and specifically mine the trillions of dollars in minerals, natural wealth, rare earth elements to get to build cell phone parts and things like that. We gave all that away. And I think that's, that's another strategy in all of this, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's an economic warfare that uh, we're fighting as well and not doing such a good job of. I mean, I know they're infiltrating Africa and South and Central America as well with lots of handouts and, and they lock them up with debt too. That's the other thing. What, any thoughts on Military preparedness reports that the American military is having a hard time with recruiting and lowering their standards. Um, you hear, I mean, Tucker himself played something last night where, you know, basically we're, we're worried more about woke than preparedness. And from what I can glean, the Chinese military is anything but woke. They are hardcore getting ready to make warriors out of their, uh, out of their enlistees. Yeah, I mean, the Chinese don't, don't, I mean, as much as, I mean, it's the Chinese Communist Party that controls the Chinese military, but they, they, po- politics do not enter military preparedness when it comes to them. And look, there's been a societal sea change, and that sea change is impacting our military and military readiness. For whatever reason, our commanders, members of the Joint Chiefs, think that it's more important to be politically correct, to have, you know, leftist ideology and all this new progressive politics leach into our military. And unfortunately, that takes away from the core function of, of what the U.S. military is to do. And it's very simple, to win wars, defeat your enemies, and kill them if necessary. Politics has, should have absolutely no basis in entering into the conversation, whatever, when it comes to our forces. The countries that we will face in the, in the years to come, whether it's a resurgent Russia when it tries to rebuild its military after Ukraine, a China who's, who is spending hundreds of billions of dollars to defeat us in a war in the years to come. Might not happen now, but it could happen 20, 30 years down the line. The American people aren't ready for those conflicts. And I don't care what ideology you believe in, you need to make sure that our that the American military is ready for that conflict. And if, if we're too busy fighting these, these culture wars in the U.S. military, it's only going to weaken us and, and we're going to have a dramatic result. And people will die because of it. And that's a shame. Talking with Harry Kazianis, of course, a foreign policy expert, particularly in the Indo-Pacific area. Um, and by the way, you have the best Twitter handle in the Twittersphere, at Grecian Formula. That's fabulous. At Grecian Formula, you can stay in touch with Harry. Um, so, okay, you've established that we are now uh, playing catch-up ball in terms of military preparedness in that theater. We have some allies. We have Japan. We have uh, well, South Korea, I guess. You know, so we have we have allies. Could we depend on them in the acute phase if someone, some idiot did launch the missile that went the wrong direction? And in the long term, medium and long term, if you were an advisor to President Biden, what would you tell him to be doing now and in the future? 
Well, I think we could rely on Tokyo. I think we rely on Seoul. I think we rely on Taipei. They're, they're strong allies. But I think we need to learn the lesson from Ukraine. And I think the lesson there is, is that, it, you know, you, you have to make sure that you deter your adversary before they respond. And I think there's a very simple way to do that. The United States has been the arsenal of democracy for decades, whether it comes to, to World War II, during the Cold War. We did a great job of arming our allies with the best military equipment in the world. So the, the Soviet unions or the Russias or the Chinas of the world don't want to have to fight that, that equipment because they know they can't defeat it. So I think the simple solution here, and this has been advocated for over a decade when it comes to Taiwan, is essentially turn chi- Taiwan into a giant porcupine. Give them the best military equipment we have and that they can afford or we have to help finance, that's fine. I mean, there's no reason why Taiwan shouldn't have F-35 stealth fighters. There's no reason we shouldn't be helping Taiwan build submarines. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, Randy. Taiwan submarines are from World War II. They are guppy-class submarines that some of our grandfathers might have served on. Oh, my that's God. How, <laughs> that's how far back the Taiwanese are. And they're, begging, they're begging for this equipment, and we're, <laughs> we're fighting with them on what we should give them. It's stupid. So there's a lot of things we can do, as you can see. The upside is dramatic. And, you know, the funny thing is, if you looked at the way Donald Trump started his administration with sort of that neighborhood watch philosophy philosophy in the Middle East, it's like, hey, we're going to be on your side. We're there behind you, you know, but you guys fight your own wars, you know, and, and we're going to equip you and get you ready. It seems like that strategy should just be carried into the Eastern European theater and into the Indo-Pacific. It's a, it makes sense, doesn't it? That way we don't have to fight everyone else's battles, at least not primarily. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, look, we, we are willing to give people the tools to fight their own wars. You know, I, I mean, imagine right now if Ukraine, for example, back in the early 90s, the Ukrainians gave up their nuclear weapons, getting a security guarantee from the Russians, thinking they'd never be invaded. Look how that worked out. Didn't look out, work very well, but we could have given them a lot better tools. But that all stems from the Obama years when we are weak, when we tried to appease Russia. We didn't arm the Ukrainians. Look at the result. And there's countless scenarios like this, Randy. Well, we're not trying to fuel wars, but if you give people the tools to defend themselves, that regional bully is not going to come looking for territory a lot of the time. I think that's what history proves. Yeah, the best uh, best offense is a defense, no doubt about it. Well, hey, you've outlined the, the, the problem and uh, how to avoid escalation now and in the future very well. I hope that uh, someone from the administration is listening, and I hope they're uh, catching you on Tucker Carlson this evening. We look forward to seeing that. And again, I'll be putting up your uh, New York Post piece uh, shortly after the program on our Facebook page, on the show page. Harry Kazianis, at Grecian Formula on Twitter. Thank you very, very much in a busy time. Uh, and uh, keep up the great work, my friend. We'll talk to you in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, I thought you'd enjoy hearing that uh, piece with Harry Kazianis because it was really sort of an overview, a strategic look at the foibles, the missteps, and how weakness from the American continent uh, doesn't help things at all when it comes to our relations overseas. And um, uh, as we uh, are reporting now, missile strikes uh, in the Taiwan Straits, uh, not to Taiwan directly, but in those straits, a uh, semi-blockade uh, around Taiwan by China. And uh, many people uh, are beginning to say now and are, are predicting that uh, before the Biden administration is over, that uh, there will just be a full-fledged invasion and it'll make the Ukraine, uh, Russian invasion into Ukraine look like child's play. Uh, how in the world can we mount any kind of a defense if we wanted to defend? And should we defend? Do we have any business defending Taiwan? 
On the other hand, if Taiwan falls to uh, total China domination, uh, what does that mean uh, when Taiwan is producing a lot of our semiconductor chips? We have that problem now. We know that the the, the, the United States, uh, the Congress just passed a, a, a law that, uh, a statute that will try to help support that, a bill. However, is that really going to make a big difference? I don't know. Um, Yes, we've I got this, uh, we, we've got old Rick ready to say old hello. Old Rick, well, let's talk to him. Hey, old Rick, how you doing? Good to talk to you down there in Marthasville. How is it going this morning? Well, I I just ended up uh, kicking back, and uh, I guess I got to confess to you that uh, I've been actually uh, eavesdropping on you this morning. Uh oh. Well, that's a good thing, I guess, if that means you're listening. Well. It's coming through, so that's always a good start. But uh, that's I good. Well, you got that short wave. It sounds like you got that short wave radio going, like you know, all the static going, and then you catch us now and then. But we're a good solid signal on 1019-941. Or hey, how about the old internet signal? Get it on NewstalkSTL.com. You know, there's a lot of ways to listen well, to us. Well, since you're a radio station that you need to get after to crank it up a little bit so we can listen to it on the radio. <laughs> All right. Hey, what do you think? Do you think, you know, Harry talked about, and I think a lot of us are worried about, it is the little mistakes that lead to world wars, right? I mean, it's the assassination of someone. That's not a little mistake. But, you know, some rogue person assassinates someone. What if, what if these simulation, these... Uh, a uh, show of might missiles that China is firing over Taiwan into the straits. What if one misfires and actually hits Taiwan? I mean, that's that could lead to cataclysm. Well, they, them Chinese, they've been known for a long time uh, for their fireworks, and uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, I ain't too concerned about about them. They they might slip up, and we might uh, slap them for it, but. Uh, for now, we'll let it play, play, uh, wait and see on that. And I couldn't help but hear you say uh, that you was asking the buddy about Bagram. Well, I actually probably got more time than him and most of your buddies uh, over there at Bagram and uh, other parts uh, thereabout. At, how and, far uh, was yeah, that? We, hey, Rick, Rick, how far yeah. was Bagram from the Chinese border? I mean, it was just several miles. It wasn't. It wasn't a much than a than a hop, skip, and a jump to the Chinese border, right? Yeah, well, actually, there was a strip of land to the north that uh, went through, like, above Pakistan over to uh, China. I forget what they called mm -hmm. it, like a like a big road, whatever. I, I never mm -hmm. went up there myself, and, mm -hmm. and uh, I've been in China once, or, or no, I was in China twice, and I was, I don't know, 60 or 100 miles south of that Wuhan but uh, thankfully, I didn't have to spend a lot of time there. And the best part I liked about China was when we were going up in the airplane and they were behind us. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. But uh, anyway, I <laughs> also heard you saying you was going to be having an old buddy of mine uh, on there uh, in your next hour. Who's that? Jerome Corsi? He's on at 745. Yeah, Jerry. Uh, I ain't talked to him uh, lately. Uh, yeah, I've met well, him actually a I met him more than I have you, but considering I've never actually met you, but known you longer, maybe. Huh? Yeah, well, well, I hope uh, I hope you'll listen in when Jerry's on. Maybe you can talk to him. Boy, you're on a first name basis with Dr. Jerome Corsi. He'll be on talking about the hoax of the of the energy uh, game that uh, everyone's playing, and he's he's got a 416 page book, and I got a, a preview copy and. Uh, 
I've been trying to work my way through it. I mean, he's talking about physics and solar cycles yeah. and angles of the Earth as we rotate around the sun. I mean, he, woo, he's got a he's a Harvard political science graduate, you know. But he got himself in trouble with his connections with Roger Stone a few years ago. Remember? Well, yeah, yeah, and he used to be with Joe uh, Farah quite quite a bit yeah. in that business and Dave Cooplin, but or Capellian Dave calls it that, but. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, when you talk to him, tell him you had a old buddy of his on the uh, uh, hour before, and when he asks who's that, you can tell him old Rick, and that uh, Jerry knows me, that I was spent a long time over in the Himalayas and the war zones, and Jerry met me down in the state of Florida and up in the state of Alaska. Okay, well, we'll uh, my gosh, you've been all over. You're a globetrotter, old Rick, and here you are in, in our backyard in old Marthasville with old Rick. Well, that's great. All right, hey, Rick, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. It's always great to stay in touch with you. You're a great patriot, and we thank you for your service. Yep. Until next time. All right, we'll see you. Old Rick, there he is. When we come back, uh, let's uh, let's uh, switch it out a little bit. What do you say, Max? Uh, I think we ought to... Well, you know what? Do me a favor. Before we head out, let's play that Ducey and... Uh, Jean-Pierre, uh, Ducey and um, Kirby, Kirby, John yeah. Kirby sound. Yeah, let's play that, because that's, that's pertinent to this. I know you said that there is not a, a <coughs> call scheduled with Xi. Is there a reason why? Because President Biden's known him for decades. Yeah. He's got a lot of free time up there in the residence this week. He doesn't have free time. He, he's, is there a reason he's, he can't he's, just pick up the phone and he's call? He's been working all the way through his illness, quite frankly, Peter. So that's a little bit insulting. And um, as for a call, it is. To, to it is. That, the, that someone who is isolating by themselves. You suggested he has a lot of free time as if he's not doing anything. And you know that's not the case, Mr. Ducey. Yes, please. Approach the podium, state your name and where you live for the record. I'm on the Peninsula. And um, I'm here because I had an experience that you need to know. I have sent it to you all in detail. In an effort by the city and the YMCA to apply the neocultural gender rules at Mountain View Pool dressing shower room facilities, women and children are being put at risk. My experience while showering after my swim was hearing a man's voice in the women's dressing area and seeing a man in a women's swimsuit watching little girls pull down their bathing suits in order to use the toilets in the dressing room. I reacted by telling him to leave. And the consequence is that I have been banned from the pool. There is no signage informing women the shower room is now all gender and what that means. Nor have parents been informed of what they can expect with these new policies. The Y has not provided any dressing shower room options for women who do not want to be exposed to men who identify as women. It is unconscionable that the YMCA would instigate these new policies without clearly informing pool patrons and parents. Although in 2021, the Y reported that they were adding family and all gender dressing and bathing areas, they've not done that. Instead, they've usurped the binary designations and turned the facilities into all gender with no choices. The staff seems to have received little professional training on how to handle reactions to such a radical cultural change, particularly for the most vulnerable, older female patrons and children who may be exposed to inappropriate behavior. 
the dignity and safety of unsuspecting women who have trusted to use these facilities for many years. This is not right. The YMCA, the city, the police and sheriffs, the parents, the professionals who assist victims of voyeurism, peeping toms, pedophilia and assault need to come together to figure out how to make the new policies work for all pool patrons, not just one group. How to keep children who are less able to discriminate safe. It is ironic that women who discriminate when a situation threatens their safety or their children, a message from our ancestors, are now accused of discrimination as if they have made someone else a victim. We need to do much more intelligent and wise about applying the rules and developing policies that are respectful and inclusive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.